The Cup playoffs, Flyers beat the Canadians 2-0 today. Philadelphia now up 3-1 in that series, while the Flames and Stars are tied up at two apiece. Right now, they're scoreless midway through the first. Extra innings in Houston, Rockies and, score, Rockies and Astros went scoreless through nine, but now they're tied up at one apiece in the top of the 11th. I'm Dan Beyer. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Tuesday to you one and all. Welcome to the Full Court Press. For a one-year kickoff time here on 106 and The Fan. 106 and FM, 1390 AM. Grateful to be joining us, uh, however and wherever you are doing so from. Hope your Tuesday is good and well. Beautiful weather once again here uh, in Cache Valley. No surprise, Cache Valley gets beautiful about this time of the year. Uh, unfortunately, we will not be able to have football to celebrate that beautiful weather, which is really extremely unfortunate. Uh, Eric Franson uh, and Ethan Dursailer join us. Ethan Dursailer of the NFL Government's Agenda Squad. He's uh, here for the, uh, I guess... I don't know, time being, I don't know, Ethan, until you're called back if or when you're called back. Is that how it goes? Uh, it's more based on when the city of D.C. opens up their office building. So we're just kind of at the mercy of, uh, of, of D.C. right now. You know how well that city runs. <laughs> I'm not commenting. Hey, what do you think about the, uh, the team name, the Washington football team? You cool with that for now? <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. I mean, they've gotten a lot of craft for it, but... I, I mean, I think it's unique. Uh, I like how they have the established 1934 written down underneath it. I think it's I think it's kind of classy. I like it. Did you see the Alex Smith video? I did. I'm pumped. I, I uh, I'm going to talk out about Alex Smith a little bit later in the show, but yeah, I, uh, it's it was exciting to see him back on the field. I don't want to spoil the storyline already, but with a leg the way it looks like, it doesn't look right still. I think it looks it looks good to me. I mean, he's he's got a sleeve on it, so I mean, I couldn't really even tell if there's something. Did you wrong see the massive it. bulge coming out of his leg? I think he looks okay. To, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I need to look closer. I'm sure he wouldn't be playing again if there was if it was dangerous. That's true. It just it scares me so much. I mean, that's a gruesome injury. Uh, did you watch the E60 video? I did. That was awesome. That was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was really cool. I had no idea it was that bad. Yeah, he almost died. He uh, he he got his first operation, and then he had some uh, had some infections and whatnot. And yeah, he he was uh, really lucky to make it. So again, Ethan Dursteller, Eric Franson here on the show today. You know, it's we're gonna get into draft pick expectations. You look at like a guy like Jordan Love, twenty six first round pick, but yet he sits behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Tui Talavea is a pick that wasn't much, I guess, much more ahead of Jordan Love. And could be a starter at Miami, and the expectations are major for him. And then also about the NFL tanking, tanking for Trevor Lawrence is becoming a hashtag around the whole entire country. What NFL teams will tank for Trevor Lawrence of Clemson come April NFL draft, and what will that look like? And is it is it a cardinal rule to tank for a quality player like Trevor? NBA's done it before. NBA does it all the time, actually, coming to think about it. Uh, does it make a difference in the NFL to do it for a guy like Trevor Lawrence? Actually, I was going to ask that as a follow-up. So we see tanking as an active pursuit in the NBA. They, they, they call it, we're developing young talent. But we know what they're really trying to do. Baseball doesn't really tank too much for specific players. But we see it more specifically in the NBA. Do we really see it happening to much of a degree in the NFL? Because you get so many picks in the NFL yeah. in the draft. Does it really make sense to try to run race to the bottom? I, I don't think it happens near as much in the NFL for two reasons. The first being that it's just incredibly difficult as a coach or a general manager to sell your guys on, on tanking when football careers are technic are usually so much shorter than than an NBA career, and there's so many people trying to make the team, and you know they, those guys are just going to go all out the, 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 each season because they don't have as much playing time, they don't have as much time to make as money like NBA players do. Uh, and secondly, just a mindset, you know, the football mindset is very rarely like, oh, I'm going to hit this guy softer so that they can score a touchdown, and give it up. It's just a harder <laughs> sport to like throw games in, right? It's a harder sport. You can't just like like people are still going to try and tackle. Obviously. They're superior athletes, and you can you can take out your starters and play your backups. But I think a great example is last year the Dolphins. 
everybody thought that they were tanking for Tua. The tank for Tua was trending, right? The, the Dolphins were historically bad the first three, four weeks of the year, and they ended up winning five games. They didn't, I mean, they weren't even the worst team in the NFL. So, I, I, I mean, tanking, obviously, people obviously look at the draft and they have players that they want to get, but I think that tanking in the sense that we usually associate it with is in the NBA doesn't really happen in the NFL. It's really hard to do that. Well, in the NBA, one player can significantly change the fortunes of your program for yep. years. If you get the right guy and he's a franchise player and he's a he's a star, one player can make that difference. I mean, yes, there are stars that come out of college football and make a big difference with their NFL franchises, but it, it's so much more that goes around them. Yeah. There's so many other things that have to be in place. Because you can have a great, great quarterback, but if you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have anybody for him to throw to, does it really make that much of a difference? Yeah, like if the Giants don't win a game this year, right, and they end up selecting Trevor Lawrence in the first round, but they have no offensive linemen, he's not going to really make a difference last, next year because he won't have time to throw it. Saquon won't have time to run the ball, so he can't take pressure off the quarterback. I mean, that's a great point. It, it's such... It's so much more a team sport, and it relies so much more on differing positions, right? That one guy can't make that big difference. So taking almost isn't worth it because you're gonna you're gonna make the players on your team that are good mad. You're gonna have to trade them. You're gonna have to, you know, guys are gonna leave in free agency. So it's almost just not worth it in 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 terms of team building in the NFL to tank. So we'll get into much more of that. We'll talk about Jordan Love and the draft pick expectations of him sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Our stat and player of the week, uh, or I guess our stat of the. That blew our mind in our player of the week. We'll get going on. Uh, huge upset. Eric and I called it from the beginning yesterday. Uh, we predicted that the Magic would beat the Bucks. <laughs> we have audio of that. Yeah. So can't right. wait to uh, to get Cut to that. Down. Right on. <laughs> uh, Jazz Nuggets tomorrow in Game 2, and they'll have the services of Mike Conley, they hope, for Game 3. Then the Jazz also got some coaching news that wasn't good, and then all of a sudden the rest of the Twitter world started freaking out about what it affects to Donovan. So we'll get into that here in the in the second hour. Yeah, this, of today's I have show. not really been on the Twitter this afternoon, so this is new to me. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a damn good coach who is headed to the East Coast, and uh, we'll take his talents there. And now everyone's freaking out. What Donovan's going to be a great Donovan. New York Nick. <laughs> don't do that. To don't. These, don't do that to this valley. Don't do it. Don't do I'll it. Just, I'll just emotionally prepare <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Travis Cox, the Ridgeline head football coach, will be joining us here at four thirty. Uh, they've had they have some news uh, that uh, they've made a decision on what to do with this Friday. If you heard yesterday, Cyprus had a couple positive tests of the COVID nineteen, and so they decided not to play Ridgeline. Left Ridgeline in kind of a huge mess of trying to find an opponent. Uh, too little, too late, and so it sounds like they're going to take a bye. We'll talk to Travis about that. We'll also talk about uh, their nice, nice win forty three or excuse me forty two thirty eight win. Over Pineview for the second year in a row, that thing turns out to be a barn burner. And for the second year in a row, Ridgeline comes out as winners. Uh, Jordan Love was a 26 pick, 26 pick in this draft, surprisingly to a lot of people, including to Aaron Rodgers. Then Jordan got fully guaranteed money. Justin Herbert's the sixth pick, and he's going to the Chargers. Two was the fifth pick, going to the Dolphins, of course. What kind of expectations can be laid upon, and are they fair expectations that can be laid upon Jordan Rodgers going to Green Bay, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for however long that is, a year, two years, or whatever, compared to what the expectations are going to be upon, like Justin Herbert going to, uh, I said San Diego, going to the LA to play, or going to LA to play the Chargers? Is there a fair expectation upon a 26 pick in the first round and a Justin Herbert six pick in the first round? I think, I mean, whether they're fair or not, they're what the guys sign up for when they get drafted in the first round, right? You're 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 expected to produce if you're a first round pick. You get a lot of money. Um, the unfortunate thing is that the statistics are against these guys. Of all quarterbacks taken in the first and second round since 2000, almost 75 percent of them have have not just been busts, but are like out of the league within five years. So. I, I think that the stats are against these guys. Obviously, the expectations are incredibly high, but I mean, it's all justified. They're making you know twenty five million, ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars a year to, to play football. So I, I mean, I think that just the 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 the, uh, the expectations are are justified and fair. I would think. Eric, with Justin Herbert most likely being a starter, and I guess who's the other quarterback? There's someone else there right now. Joe Burrow is going to start. 
Is, well, are you talking about quarterbacks that were drafted that will start? Sorry, yeah. So, so quarterbacks that will start will mean Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert's in L.A. Who's the quarterback just ahead of him, though? Tyrod Taylor will start there. Over Justin Herbert, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then the advantage goes to Jordan Love, the fact that he gets to learn behind Aaron Rodgers, who's a future Hall of Famer, compared to Tyrod Taylor teaching Justin Herbert. But with that expectation that Jordan Love will have learned from Aaron Rodgers, he's expected to be great as soon as he starts going. Would that be the same thing for Justin Herbert, who's learning from Tyrod Taylor, who may not even make it through the season? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Justin Herbert was picked 20 picks earlier, right? So I think people automatically assume he's already better than Jordan Love. But, yeah, probably not. It's probably not fair that that that, that, uh, that Justin Herbert has to learn behind Tyrod Taylor where well, Jordan Love gets to learn behind, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But I guess that's just kind of the way, nature of the business, right? Like quarterbacks that get draft, drafted later learn from better quarterbacks, more established teams, and quarterbacks that get drafted earlier are – are typically a little bit more gifted uh, physically, but you know they ha- they have the disadvantage of of not having as much of an acclimation period. Eric, why hasn't a quarterback who's been drafted in the first round, early in the first round, why haven't they been successful in the NFL? Well, think of what it means to be drafted early in the NFL as a quarterback. That means you're going to go to a bad team, and are they a bad team because they had injuries? Uh, a, a great free agent left the team to go to somewhere else, possibly. But by and large, it's it's usually because it's not a great coach and it's not really well managed. Um, there are some great quarterbacks that come in, and because of who they are, they have a certain gravity about them, and other players want to come in. And there's a, it's a new management, and they try to build teams around these guys. But by and large, if you're taken early in the draft. You're going to a bad team. And so the pressure is on them way more than if you're a guy like Jordan Love who's picked later in the draft, still a first-rounder, but selected as a future starter, not as you're going to be our guy. You're going to save our franchise. So he has time to acclimate and understand the NFL way where these guys are thrown into it like, hey, you got to help us. We're, <laughs> we're drowning here, and you're our lifeline. That's yeah. a lot of pressure to put on an NFL rookie. I just look at some of the great talent, and I honestly, I put Baker Mayfield. It's good talent in Oklahoma. Uh, Jordan loves great talent coming from Utah State. Justin Herbert from Oregon. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think, is going to turn out to be a great thing for Arizona. But I just, it, I can't remember the well, last maybe. time. Jury's still out a little bit on that one. That's, uh, Although he's bulking up. He's trying to get bigger. I think, but I think his decision making has gotten so good. It's just interesting that I haven't seen a first round quarterback go out and be majorly successful. I mean, Tom Brady was sixth round. What was Ben Roethlisberger? He was Ben was a first round pick. Aaron Rodgers was a first round pick. I mean, the, but the, Aaron wasn't until like the twenty fourth, right? He was picked way late in that draft. I, I, yeah, probably later, but I mean, he was still a first round pick. I mean, th- there are guys that pan out, right? A lot of the bigger names in the NFL, quarterbacks wise, were first round picks. But yeah, I mean, the, the overwhelming majority of them do not work out. And I think th- that Eric's reasoning is explains it really well. You know, they just they're all going to bad. Well, some of them just aren't up to the task, right? Like teams, NFL teams try to get really tricky, and they're like, oh, you know, we're smarter than everybody else. Rather than taking the demonstrated talent, like we're going to pick the gimmicky guy who has a big arm that we think we can teach how to make reads, but we really can't, and they just don't work out. Like, you look at the guys that were picked before Tom Brady in the 2001 draft, right? Like, dudes that are now goat farmers and, like, insurance salesmen because they didn't know how to read, <laughs> cor- they didn't know how to read offenses, defenses, but all of the NFL scouts, and I mean, I'm not bagging on them, but a lot of them are just like not good at what they do, right? Then they think they're smarter than everybody else, so they, 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 they pick dudes that are gimmicky, you know, build-up picks that just end up not working out rather than taking the demonstrated talent. You know, it's interesting. You look at the Heisman winners in college football to win a Super Bowl, and they list as extremely small for quarterbacks. Yeah. You get, can you guys name them? Mr. NFL? Guy. Oh, I don't know if I can even name one. Uh, I'm guessing Roger Staubach. He's one of them. Um, Two other guys. Oh, I got one. <laughs> More than what I could. Jim Pluckett did it. Okay. He was at Stanford, then went to Oakland and won his Super Bowl, and he also did it, he did it twice there, actually. Uh, and then, yeah, in fact, those are the only two quarterbacks. Those are the only two quarterbacks who have won multiple rings as a Heisman Trophy winner. Did Peyton Manning not win a Heisman? Nope. Hmm. 
He was not. Cam Newton won a Heisman and participated in the Super Bowl. They lost to Denver. Uh, looking at quarterbacks-wise, yeah, it's just Staubach and it's Jim Plunkett. So the last quarterback to win a Heisman Trophy and a Super Bowl, Jim Plunkett won the Super Bowl in 81. Wow. No quarterback Been since that then long. has won a Heisman and has won a Super Bowl in their career. At any point in their NFL career, won a Super Bowl. That is incredible. I can think of the talent, too. Vince Young. Uh, Matt Leinart was pretty talented for the most part. Uh, Josh Heupel. I don't think he even... Did he even last in the NFL? No, but he coached at Utah State, didn't he? Yeah, yeah for a minute. offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That was a hot minute, too. That was yeah. a really quick minute there. No, uh, I think I think the game's just so... I mean, it, it, it's different now, right? The NFL is much more similar at this point to college football than it has been in the past. But from, like, the... The, the the early 90s when Lavelle instituted the air raid at, at, at BYU, right, to, to basically 2017, college teams were running the air raid and the spread while NFL teams were still running pro style. So you had dudes like Tim Tebow, who were great in college running the spread offense, coming into the NFL to run a pro style offense and just not really knowing what they were doing. And that happened a lot, right? I mean, there were guys obviously like Peyton Manning, who was the number one pick that transitioned perfectly to the NFL but there were so many transitional picks that just didn't work out because the systems were so different. And I think you saw that the NFL eventually adapted to realizing like, hey, there's great talent in college, but we're not we're not exploiting it to the best of our ability because, you know, our systems are so complex and so hard. So you see guys like Cliff Kingsbury get hired in Arizona to, 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 to institute more of a college-like system so that, you know, high-level talents like Kyler Murray can come in and be successful rather than spend five years trying to learn how to run a pro-style system and then to be washed <laughs> up so the next guy can come in and replace him. You know, I also think it's kind of like you think about the Jordan Love situation. Not only is he learning behind Aaron Rodgers, so when due time comes and whether it's, again, after this season or next season, that Aaron Rodgers decides, you know what, enough's enough. I can't play here anymore. And Jordan Love is given the reins. He's also playing in Green Bay, where it's historically really great. They've been really good for a very long time. And if, yeah. and if he's not good, even in his first year, if he's not good, it's like New York Knicks. They will crucify him because well, he's you, not you winning see games. He's already in a backup quarterback battle. There's yeah. already a, a, ba- a battle for the backup quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Tim Boyle, who's a University of Connecticut gra- draftee, draft- uh, is really good, and and the team really likes him. And apparently, the first couple of days of training camp, he's been a lot better than Jordan Love. They say so. I mean, he's gonna have to win that battle first, right? And and if he doesn't, then like you said, Ajay, there's expectations in Green Bay that even if in three years down the road, fans are gonna remember that and they're gonna be like, oh, this is our first round draft pick who we gave a lot of money to, who couldn't even beat out Tim Boyle from the University of Connecticut for for the backup job. So yeah, it's, there's high pressure and. And he, I mean, from day one, right, he has expectations that he has to live up to and he has to beat out Tim Boyle for the backup job and then eventually, you know, be successful as soon as he becomes the starter there. You know, being a starting quarterback, a high draft pick for a historic franchise is a tough, a tough deal. And you said they get paid a ton of money, so it's part of the gig anyways, especially as a first round draft pick. But I still feel like there's more pressure on Jordan Love than there is on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going to the L.A. Chargers where they have absolutely no expectations. One, because the L.A. Chargers fans don't really think of the L.A. Chargers that much. I mean, that's San Diego's team and has been for a very long time. But also that Justin Herbert's learning, again, behind Tyrod Taylor for a franchise that has not been to a Super Bowl since 1994 when they got cooked by the San Francisco 49ers, (laughs) Steve Young. So the expectations are not very high right now for that squad. But like I said, in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, where they are full of just maniac cheeseheads, one season will depict where these, this fan base can deal with it. And if they're not patient, boy, things can get really hairy over there for Jordan Love. And I hope that's not the case. I hope they give him some time. Again, there's, uh, they, got a new, they got a new coaching staff, right? If I'm not mistaken, new OC and everything. Mike McCarthy is well, no longer last, well, last, last year was last year. Last year. Thank right. you. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, they're still learning and... Aaron Rodgers is still trying to wrap his head around the fact that he didn't get a skilled receiver or a skilled running back to help him out when they had plenty of options in the first round. So that will it'll be interesting over there in Green Bay. That's that's one place I'm going to be keeping my eye on for multiple reasons. So so you bring up uh, training camp, but maybe let's do this after a short time out here. Sure. Um, just how important is you know, training camp, especially now that there aren't any preseason games? Uh, the NFL this season, because of coronavirus, because of an adjusted schedule, is not going to do preseason games. So 
after this timeout, let's get into that. This what training camp looks like now in the NFL, and what that might mean for the season upcoming with all these changes and the lack of additional opportunities for some guys to get uh, time on the field and in-game situations. So we'll talk about that coming up here on the Full Court Press. And uh, we've also got a great interview coming up, too, talking high school football. Yeah, Travis Cox will join us from Ridgeline to talk about what uh, a crazy week it's been and what a great uh, win it was at Pineview. Really quickly, though, A1 Automotive and Performance reminds you to extend the life of your vehicle with regular preventive maintenance. You can visit them at their new location, 1065 West, 600 North in Logan, and you can call them at 752-9636. More of the Full Court Press coming up. You're on vacation and your vehicle breaks down. Nothing can be worse. What can you do? This may have been avoided if you went to A1 Automotive for a pre-trip checkup. A1 Automotive will give your car the once-over so you can prevent a disaster. And they offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty and roadside assistance. Online at A1AutomotivePerformance.com. A1 Automotive is so busy, they need experienced automotive techs. If you're looking for a change of scenery, give them a call or drop off your resume at the shop on 10th West. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ethan Durstiller, the NFL, joins us here. 422 at 430, we'll have Travis Cox rejoin head football coach as they have had their game canceled this Friday versus Cypress due to a couple Cypress football players testing COVID positive on the COVID-19 uh, that will not be the first, and that will not be the only case. Uh, well, the first was last week. Yeah. But it won't be the last one either. But it won't be the last. Yeah, there will yeah. be, be several more, and you'll probably see games canceled. It's a, it's a scary thing to have to deal with, and it's a fluid thing that they're dealing with. Credit to the well, ADs not, and the coaches trying to make it happen. I don't know that it's so much scary. It is scary, man. For younger people, I mean, they're they're – the chance of everything really serious with this is like really, really low. There's the, still a chance. The concern though. is, you know, who they might bring it home to. Um, yes, there's still a chance if somebody has an underlying health condition, there could be uh, ramifications. But, but they're doing the right thing from what they, as far as they understand the, the the protocols and what they've been directed from their health departments. So it was the right thing for them to to postpone it. Well, to cancel it. Frankly, it's not going to be made up, and it's just sad that. You know, this was going to be their uh, Ridgeline home opener this Friday, and it's not going to happen. Yep, such is the case, including are there that- are there like testing protocols for high school football, or is it just like kid feels sick, goes and gets tested? As far as I know, I, mean, I don't think they do regular tests. I mean, they do yeah. temperature checks before practices. I know that. Um, they, I think they have to do checks um, before games, but I don't know like hmm. how many days before a game. Actually, that's a really good question. Yeah, Travis Cox will be a good one to ask that. He'll know (laughs) as the head coach. Hey, speaking of COVID-19 canceling things, preseason football is not happening in the NFL. Uh, Ethan, what kind of effect can this have on on coaches that want to use it to cut rosters? Getting, I mean, they use it to evaluate players, scout you know players, uh, get a better look at the roster versus in a live game. What kind of damage does that do to the coaches and, and the evaluation and and making it hard to cut players and who who to cut. I don't think it makes it as hard for the coaches because the coach it, it, who it makes it because the coaches are just going to cut whoever sucks, right, or whoever they they think they think isn't good. So if there's like a sixth round draft pick that they brought in, you know, they're just going to be like, yeah, we don't really want to keep this guy or an undrafted free agent. Who it hurts is those guys, right? So I brought a Tim Boyle of the Green Bay Packers earlier on on the program. Tim Boyle last year, you know, the Packers signed Deshaun Kaiser to be the backup to Aaron Rodgers. But in the preseason games, Tim Boyle threw for like 900 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And so he became the backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers cut Deshaun Kaiser, right? So you're just not going to see a lot of guys like Tim Boyle have an opportunity to show out uh, and be successful, which, which is a shame. Um, but I think it also favors, you know, the teams that have really invested in experience and the teams that have really invested in team building over the years, and it puts it at a disadvantage teams that were maybe, you know, relying on finding a diamond in the rough during the preseason or relying on, you know, bringing up some practice squad guys. So does this uh, lack of preseason games, does that benefit veteran teams more than, oh, yeah. I think than teams that are either under new coaches or trying to develop some younger talent then? Yeah, 100%. I think that you'll, I mean, obviously I'm not like a sage, but I, I, if I was a betting man, 
I would put money on the Super Bowl for the teams that have had that have the most experience. The team, not just the most veterans, but the teams that have been together the longest, that know their systems, that have you know well set coaches. I mean, I look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons, right, who haven't had much success over the last couple of years since they since they uh, you know kicked the can on that Super Bowl in 2016, but they have. You know the same offensive system for four or five years. They have the same superstars and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They have the same coach, and you know that a lot of people wanted them to fire their coach last year, Dan Quinn. But it may pay off in the long run, keeping him there, keeping some continuity, and keeping a team that you know has really been together, played together, and doesn't need the preseason to gel further. I remember Peyton Manning making comments about uh, this was in the playoffs one year. Uh, they had some injuries to some wide receivers and had some other guys come in there, and he'd made a great throw to one of these guys, and they were asking him about it. And they were asking him, like, you know, this is a, a second, third string receiver that came in there, but uh, he, he made a great throw, and he's able to you know, get the catch, whatever. And He's like, well, yeah, that's because of what we did in July and August. Yeah. I mean, I would throw to these guys all the time, and I knew how each one, how they moved and how they would, how to read when they were going to, be in position to make the catch and things like this. So uh, he re- referenced back to the work that was being done in these training camps to how he was able to make that successful throw, which was in January. And for some of the reporters, they were like blown away. But for Peyton Manning, it's like, well, yeah, that's why we have training camp. Yeah, That's why we have preseason games. Yeah, I mean, you look at a lot of the older school quarterbacks, right? There's not a lot of them left anymore, but they rely so much on their relationship with the receiver, right? So Peyton Manning was known for, like you said, June, July, August, organizing team workouts at his home in Tennessee where or in Mississippi where he'd bring in the whole receiving core whether they were on the team or they may get cut and just build relationships with them right you saw Tom Brady this past offseason really come under fire because when he went to Tampa he basically flew in Chris Godwin flew in Mike Evans flew in Rob Gronkowski flew in all those guys because he wanted to build a relationship with them because those older school quarterbacks for them their game is based more on relationships with their receivers, whereas the newer guys are based more on systems where they're just like, I'm going to trust that the guy's going to be here. The receiver, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, they know where each receiver is going to be, how he runs his route, and the court, and, the, and the receivers know, you know, how he's going to throw the ball, where the ball is going to be placed. So, yeah, that time does make a huge difference. Uh, and, and, you know, it, you're just not going to have that, that year, this year. So I'm sure you'll see, you know, more mistakes, a lot of missed passes, a lot of, you know, overthrown passes, underthrown passes, interceptions, you know, offensive mistakes that you just wouldn't see in a typical season. College football. Oh, sorry. I just, oh, sorry. Just, college football doesn't have the benefit of a preseason. They have a camp and then they go right into it. Yeah. But with the NFL, you've got a lot more guys. Maybe you have a, still have a lot of roster turnover. Is the quality of football this year in the NFL going to go down because we question. don't have the preseason? No, I don't think it will go down because we don't have the preseason. Uh, you know, a lot of the starters don't really even play in the preseason anyways. I think it will go down – Perhaps, I don't know, because of shortened training camp. You know, training camp started on July 28th like it typically does, but they just barely got in pads this week. So they were basically just conditioning uh, and, 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 and a lack of offseason programs. So basically all of the NFL's offseason program from March to July was online, whereas in a typical season, you know, you'll have a lot of guys. I mean, football is their profession. So coming into the, into the facility, practicing, throwing around, getting to know each other, and you just didn't have that this season. So I think that will make a much bigger difference in the preseason, the lack of preseason, which really just benefits you know lower tier players that are trying to, to to prove themselves and make a mark. You'll hear from Ethan Moore here later in the hour. We have our stat that blew our mind and our player of the week, and I've got a couple of questions about the NFL draft. If college football gets moved to the spring, including Power Five conferences, does the NFL make any adjustments with their draft or their pro day or anything like that, or do they stay still? Uh, we'll get more of that from Ethan here coming up. But first, Travis Cox at 4.30. Ridgeline head football coach is going to join us to talk about what a crazy week it's been and what a crazy game that was Friday night, 42-38. Ridgeline beats Pineview for the second year in a row. Full, full court press coming up next. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Ethan Dursteller joining us. He works for the NFL, Government Affairs and Public Policy. Uh, he knows his stuff. Uh, <laughs> trying to connect with... I, 
<laughs> trying to tr- uh, connect with Travis Cox, uh, head football coach for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. Uh, big win for them on uh, Friday last week. This Their season has already been interesting before anything happened because they, uh, well, the Cache County School District said, you can play games, you can do school activities and whatnot, you just can't stay anywhere overnight. And so instantly that became an issue for football where they were supposed to travel to Southern Utah to face Pineview. Um, and so folks at Pineview, gracious enough to work with Ridgeline to find a quote-unquote neutral site somewhere halfway um, where they met at Westlake. And uh, the second year in a row, these two teams faced each other. Second year in a row, it was a pretty fantastic game down to the wire. So we hope to get with uh, Coach Cox here soon. Uh, Working on that. Yeah, because there's other news besides that with week one and week two. There's more drama uh, because of coronavirus. So uh, we'll we'll get with him as soon as we can connect with him. Can I ask you guys something? Like with high school and with NFL. Is there a, a tipping point for the NFL? Like, if they have, is there a, like a target of if they have too many cases, they're going to stop playing and just put like it on a hold, or are they just like, hey, if we have a case, we'll take care of it. We have the money to handle this. Is that different from how high school can handle it? I mean, I think it's a lot different from high school how high school can handle it because uh, you know, just the reality is the NFL has a lot more money than like the UHSSA, right? So there's a lot of proactive testing going on and the NFL can, you know, a guy that's asymptomatic or is just barely, maybe barely come down to coronavirus can remove him from the environment so quickly that it doesn't have as much time to spread. So in the event that there's a large spread, you know, a large coronavirus spread amongst players, then sure, I think you could see the season be put on hold. But I, I also just don't think that's going to happen because of the proactive testing that's happening, you know, the, the protocols that have been put into place that are so advanced and, you know, put in place with the high, with the highest level epidemiologists and medical professionals in the country and the world, really. Whereas in high school, you know, you just don't have that. You have, you know, you're basically relying on kids to just be like 18, I mean, 16, 17, 18 year old kids to be like, yeah, I don't feel well. And then maybe go down to the health department and get, and get tested. And, and at that point, you know, maybe they've spread it to other people on the team I was just telling Eric before we started, if I was a high school kid and I felt sick and like my only concern was playing football, there's no way unless I started showing like symptoms that I was going to tell anybody about it because I wouldn't want to be taken out. So I think that you have, you know, a lot of difficulties and challenges that you face in high school that we thankfully don't have to face in the NFL. Hey, there was news today that the, I guess this actually came down yesterday that the Canadian Football League is uh, shutting down. And the big reason why they're shutting down is because they applied for some federal assistance. Yeah. And they said, the Canadian government said no. So the CFL is is folding up shop the first time since 1919 that they will not award the Grey Cup. Uh, Certainly the NFL is in a much different situation. Financially, they're able to take care of it. They don't need federal assistance. Yeah. But it is kind of a, a, I don't know, a, a stark realization about how this can really affect some sports leagues for sure yeah i mean the cfl right had some financial issues dating back a couple of years but and and like you said they applied for that federal loan from the canadian government and just weren't granted it um when the cares act was passed you know the nfl we've been financially successful for a long time you know there was some there was some media speculation that we were going to try and take some federal money but you know working in the government affairs department is very you know much aware that like the nf we we that money was meant to, you know, help people to keep the economy afloat, and we didn't, we didn't want to take part in any of that. So we didn't get any money, and thankfully, you no, know, our fiscal house was in order enough to the point that that we were able to survive, and things have been working out fairly well, right? We plenty have a season, but for organizations, yeah, you know, you know, sports leagues that are either getting underway or have been financially, you know, distraught for a couple of years, it's a huge threat to them, and it's a huge threat to their ability to, you know, continue to function in the future. The CFL. You know, those owners are missing out. They've been losing money for a lot of years. This year, they're not even having games. I mean, I think that makes a huge, you know, that there's a question mark as to, you know, the future of the sport, the future of the league, and how that's going to happen. Does that potentially create a pool of players for NFL teams to look at for replacements? Or does that not really cross over that much? Not really. I mean, you'd be surprised how few CFL guys come to the NFL. I mean, I think usually if you go to the CFL, you've kind of run your course in the NFL. But you know who it does benefit is The Rock and the XFL, who are ah, going to be looking for a lot of a lot of new true. guys. Uh, I mean, he's good seemed, point. Yeah, I'm excited for the XFL. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be great. It seems like The Rock and his team is really dedicated to 
to creating a quality product. So, you know, if the CFL were to hypothetically fold or not be able to, you know, provide as quality and experience for their players, I think that that would bode well for maybe startup leagues that are well-financed in the United States and elsewhere that are looking for a talent pool to draw from. There's several Aggies that are up there in the Canadian Football League. You know, John Trail Rockamore was up there. Uh, a couple others have had great success in the CFL over the years. Uh, so it's it's been a good league for a lot of former Aggies who just who for whatever reason made it went to the NFL couldn't stay in the NFL yeah. or, or couldn't make it in the NFL and this was still an opportunity for them to still play professional football. Uh, Anthony Calvillo is a really say, rich he's a, he's history. Like the he's a famous like the Tom one, Brady he? of Anthony Calvillo is like the Tom Brady of the CFL. Hey, yes. who had a greatest legacy greater legacy in the respective sports? JC Carroll in Spain or Anthony in you uh, in the uh, Canadian Football League? Uh, Ooh, I mean uh, the, the Spain. What's it called? The Euroleague is so much bigger than the CFL. I mean, it, it's hard to compare. But, I mean, Anthony broke records of all yeah. sorts. Oh, I mean, that yeah. was incredible. He's I, like the greatest would, of all time. I would probably lean more to Anthony Calvillo yeah. for two reasons. One, that his his like his career is done and his legacy is in stone. Still growing, yeah. Uh, uh, JC is still playing. Uh, well, JC is one. JC has won championships. Oh, that's right. He just retired. Yeah, he retired. He's no longer. So I mean, JC has won championships as well, but I don't know that he was universally known as like the top guard yeah. in Euroleague for several years. Whereas Anthony Calvillo was known as the top quarterback for many years yeah. in the CFL. So I would probably lean more to Anthony Calvillo. I think I agree. Yeah, he's. I mean, he was he was huge up there. Smaller league, but just a personal legacy. He was fantastic. Ethan, uh, I was going to ask you at the end of the show, but we haven't had, can't get a hold of Travis right now. We're still reaching out to him. Hopefully, we'll hear from him soon. But uh, college football, Power Five conferences, yes, they've said they put together a schedule. Yes, they said they want to move on. But the likelihood of that actually happening is still, I'd say, not optimistic. Well, the outbreak if, at North Carolina, yep. outbreak at Notre Dame, they're yep. shutting down their campus. For a, a couple of, more weeks. Some in other Notre schools Day. are going to online campus or online school only. And so students are non athletic students are wondering why do they get to go play football, but we can't go to school in class. So my question to you is if those Power Five conferences move to spring, such as Trevor Lawrence, such as Justin Fields of Ohio State, uh, does the NFL make any sort of adjustment to try to accommodate to the college football spring season? So they can be able to fit in a pro day, uh, the senior bowl, or whatever it is, to make sure that these coaches, uh, GMs, and scouts get the proper look that they need at all these kids, including the NFL draft. I mean, that's a huge hypothetical, right? Because a, I, I personally think that the SEC and the ACC are going to play this fall, um, and b, even if they don't, I don't think spring football happens. I think there's too many logistical hurdles. Also. Like the virus probably isn't going to be better in January than it is now. So I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. But if it did and all of the good players played, which they wouldn't, um, then yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, you know, the NFL is always willing to work with the NCAA and, 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 and the conferences to make things work. I, I can't speak authoritatively on that in any way, but I would imagine that there would be changes make, made. But like I said, that's a huge hypothetical. I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I think that there's a much higher chance that the ACC and the SEC play football this fall than there is of the draft being moved in the spring. It becomes really difficult if you have some conferences playing this fall yeah. and others playing in the spring. Uh, how does the NFL really change their calendar because it's not universal one way? Yeah. And if, if the NFL still has their calendar that – goes through this fall and they're planning on going through 2021 and a normal calendar why adjust if if some players in some really good leagues are still playing but there's others in other conferences that aren't yeah i mean yeah you said it perfectly you can't you can't play favorites among the conferences and and also like i mentioned earlier even if you know the big 10 the pac 12 who haven't you know the pac 12 especially has you know has less talent anyways but even if they do play in the spring the top players are likely to not play in the spring because they're going to be preparing for the draft. 
And, and and if you tear your ACL in October, I mean, and have and have you know eight nine months to recover, that's different than tearing your ACL in in April in a game that like you probably shouldn't have been playing in anyways. And then you know having a draft a couple weeks later, you know you're just, you're mortgaging your future to play college football in the spring. So I it, even if that does happen, which like I said, I think college football in the spring is a a bad idea and b unlikely to happen. Uh, I just don't think that you see a lot of the good players playing. So I don't think that that would really affect the draft in a significant way. It's too bad because when uh, just looking at this piece by ESPN, they they do a great job of you know look at the last three first round picks, uh, number one overall picks. Yeah, Joe Burrow, before he went to LSU, was you know somebody at Ohio State, limited exposure, limited opportunity, not really sure what kind of quarterback he was going to be. Low on a lot of draft boards. Yeah, he goes to LSU and has a heck of a year. Now he's number one pick. Kyler Murray hadn't thrown very many passes with Texas A and M. Uh, it was at Oklahoma. You know, it was kind of an unknown. Had a heck of a year. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a transfer. Had a heck of a year. So this this happens a lot in college, where sometimes somebody that's unexpected just blows up onto the scene. And that's what's so fun about college football yeah. every year is you, there's some players get a lot of preseason hype. But what's fun is to find those players that no one was talking about, and they really go out there and excel and change everybody's minds. We may not have that this year, so their opportunity to get really noticed by the NFL is going to be greatly diminished. Totally. I think it's, you know, fascinating and also sad, but it's a fun thought exercise to think where Joe Burrow would have been if last year, this year was last year, right? So if they had the if they canceled college football and then they held the draft in April last year, Joe Burrow would have been like late second, third round pick maybe, right? He'd be making like Eight hundred thousand dollars, but because, like you said, of the you know the, the had the senior season, it was great, it was fun. That's why college football is the best because these unknown guys, these unknown entities, come on and they they dominate. You know, he's he, not only was a first round pick, but it, now he's you know he made fifteen million dollars. So I mean, <laughs> it's sad to think, and, and it's even more sad to think. You know, you look at a lot of these guys in the Pac-10. You know, the parents are you know very upset. They're going to the headquarters of the Pac-10 tomorrow, I think, to meet with the commissioner and and understand what's going on. But some of the parents that are most upset are are guys who were projected to be high-round draft picks this past year who elected to come back to play their senior seasons because they thought that they could improve their draft stock. And now they're just left out to dry, right? So it's like you either could have gotten drafted and made money. uh, You didn't. You chose to come back. You were loyal to your school. You were loyal to the NCAA, which the NCAA really wants you to be. You know, a lot of players aren't. Uh, you were you sacrificed your you know to come back to improve your draft stock and now your draft stock and now you're not going to have that chance. Sorry, we canceled our football season. Those are the parents. Those are the players that are the most upset because not only do they not get the experience of having their senior football season, they may have missed out on a lot of money. Right? Yeah. Does Trevor Lawrence live up to the hype in the NFL? I think he does. I mean, I think that Clemson plays a system that's easily translated to the NFL. I think Trevor Lawrence is is a really down to earth kid who doesn't really you know, buy into the hype around him, which I think makes a big difference. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be the next, like, Tom Brady, the next Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's a serviceable, you know, starting quarterback. Is he better than – who has a better career in the end? Well, I guess better start to their career, Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow? Oh, I mean, it totally depends on where they go, right? Like, like – I mean, both teams are Joe- going to suck no matter where they go. I mean, like, right? Burrow's I mean, in no, Cincinnati. What if, what if the Patriots are just like, hey, all of our players? May, may, what if there's a secret plan where the Patriots were like, you know, why all our players are going to opt out so that we can be bad and draft Trevor Lawrence and have him as our starting quarterback next year, and the next year they're all the all the good players come back and they're ready to go, right? So, you know, it's it, it does. That is a hypothetical. That is a stretch. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Patriots are playing without their starting offensive line this year, so they're not going to be good. So maybe they get the first-round draft pick. Yeah, and but maybe we're talking about Lawrence. you have to go because there's going to be teams who will tank for Lawrence one way or another. They'll figure it out. They won't. There's no tanking in the NFL. There just isn't. Like, there point is, to though. a team that's tanked. There is, though. Who tanked last year? Miami wasn't tanking? No, Miami won five games. They, got the, they had the sixth pick in the draft. Yeah, but they were looking for that one of those upper picks. I mean, they needed a quarterback, and they get Tua out of it. Yeah, they got him with the twelfth pick, though. They didn't even pick him first. Cincinnati. So, but Cincinnati was just awful. Were they that bad, though? Yeah, they were really bad. <laughs> they had no players. They didn't on really their have team. anybody. <laughs> That's insane. Because I, I honestly think that okay, well, in that case, this year you'll see the year of tanking in the NFL for Trevor Lawrence. If he's as good as they say. 
then they're they're going to tame from him because they already know how good he is. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of you know scouts and and you know even Mel Kiper Jr. There's a lot of people that say he's not a perfect prospect. So I mean, a lot of people think the kid at South Dakota State's better than him. So I mean, he may not even be the first pick. So saying like oh their teams were going to tank for him, I just think that that a is there's no evidence of that happening in the past in the NFL. Like you can think that it happened, but like the facts are against you. And and b he's just not a proven enough prospect for that to really happen. He may not even be the first pick. He may not even be the best quarterback in the draft. A lot of people, like I said, think the kid at South Dakota and think Justin Fields is better than him. Hmm. So does the NFL uh, host some kind of a showcase event, You know, give these players opportunities to perform in front of scouts who may not have had a season uh, and, and still do some kind of a senior bowl, quote-unquote senior bowl, even if it isn't that specifically? That'd be interesting. I mean, because how does it work? I don't even really know how it works right now. The senior bowl isn't necessarily an NFL event, right? Isn't it put on by a different entity and their NFL coaches I know a lot of NFL it? coaches and scouts are there. Oh, for sure. They're there. I'm just wondering if, if the NFL would host like a, an independent event similar to the senior bowl, say if the, you know, like the senior bowl were to be canceled. Cause I know like all, of, obviously all the scouts go, the coaches actually coach the game, but I don't think it's actually like put on by the NFL. I wonder, and I don't know to answer your question, if there would be like a showcase game in addition to that, just to increase exposure uh, that the league actually puts on and it's in sponsors and pays for. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, Totally outside of the combine. Yeah. It's not related to that. It's uh, to give those, those would-be seniors would have been seniors still an opportunity to work towards something and still showcase our talents in a game setting with sure. you know, to re- also receive coaching and guidance from uh, NFL people. Yeah, I I, mean, I think that's a great idea. I I don't know what would happen or if if that's a, an idea, but yeah, maybe I'll bring it up. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Uh, two-time uh, by the way, NFL Hall of Fame news here. Uh, two-time Super Bowl winning. Coach Tom Flores, I believe former coach of the Raiders, right, Ethan? Uh, yeah, he was the coach of the Raiders. Coach Jim Plunkett uh, and Drew Pearson are finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. Uh, Flores is the first Hispanic coach in the NFL and was nominated in the new coaches category. Pearson is a senior nominee. In fact, I think he lost out last year and they had a video of him where he was just visibly upset that he didn't make it, that he got cut. Um, and uh, he spoke a little bit about that and showed his emotion. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, Flores won 91 games against 56 losses. It was a 61 percentage or winning percentage, including a record of eight and three in the playoffs during his nine seasons with the Raiders, uh, three uh, three in Oakland and six in Los Angeles. Uh, his career wins total trails only that of Hall of Famer John Madden in franchise history. Not a bad name to be trailing. Uh, Pearson played his entire 11-year career with the Dallas Cowboys, made three all uh, three All Pro teams and had 489 catches for 7,822 yards, which is about 16 yards per catch. He's a member of the All-Decade team in the 70s, played in 22 playoff games, making 68 catches, 8 touchdowns. Uh, he's part of the 77 Cowboys championship squad. So uh, congratulations to those two. The rest of the crew will be announced later. Uh, I don't know how much we'll see. 18 finals will be considered. Uh, Flores and Pearson, a contributor to be named, nominated August 25th, and 15 modern era players to be determined later this year. And in January, the class will be enshrined on August 8th, 2021 in Canton, Ohio. We'll take a break. Coming back, more of the Full Court Press, that Debler Mind Player of the Week coming up. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Thanks for joining us for hour, wherever you are. Uh, unfortunately, we will not have Travis Cox. So we were unable to reach him. Um, so we'll try another week, maybe another day. He's got plenty of other things going on right now. And his, uh, as Ridgeline looks like they may not be having a football game, um, from what we had heard, they won't be playing. Uh, still not official yet, though. So do you know? Maybe, hopefully, he's on the phone right now working out a deal to get somebody. You don't call play that a ridge a, line on Friday. If they don't play, is that a forfeit? No, it was just a zero. It's just a nothing happened. That sucks. You it doesn't work against you. doesn't really help you, but it doesn't work against you. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Our stat that blew our mind and our player 
uh, of the week. This is really exciting. Hold on. I got to pull this up. We got really cool stuff going on here. There we go. Bingo. Let her rip, baby. Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the full court press. Wow, that blew my mind. All right, let's run into it. Ethan, why don't you go ahead and get us going. Stat that blew your mind. Stat that blew my mind. Fernando Tatis Jr. through his first 100 games is batting 320. Better than any player in history. Through 100 games, Mike Trout batted 302 and A-Rod batted 283. Wow. He's on a tear. I mean, he's having a heck of a year. He stirred some things up last night. He didn't stir anything. He hit a pitch that was down the middle. I would have swung, too. Now that we're talking about it, I wasn't going to bring it up, but the reason I love him is because he makes all the people that make baseball boring mad, and I love that. As a huge baseball fan, I think you should let the guys play. Like, There's no way you should want your next superstar to just like take a strikeout rather than hitting a grand slam. I think it was great. Just stand there and let it come right down the pipe? Yeah. No. Yeah. no. Eric? Bad for, that's bad for the sport. A uh, stat that blew my mind. This is actually from yesterday. It wasn't from the previous week. It just blew my mind. It's the pure definition. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic all scored 30 points or more yesterday in the opening round of the NBA playoffs. It's the first time in NBA postseason history that four players under the age of 25 scored 30 or more points on the same day. Wow. Hey, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, he had 17 second quarter points. It's his fourth playoff quarter hitting that mark. That's more than any, or excuse me, more than all other Utah Jazz players combined, which is three, since 96-97 when play-by-play was first available. Yeah, that was an amazing. That was second quarter on for thirty. Did you see Denver's half tweet? Points. Yes. Picture of Donovan Mitchell kind of looking at the back, looking at uh, Luke or Jokic. <laughs> Nikola Jokic. Sorry, and it says they caption it like that. Look when you see the best, best center, center in, in the, the NBA. NBA. You know what the best thing is? Is Donovan and Rudy saw it, and so they liked the tweet. <laughs> Whose tweet was it? It was Denver Nuggets from the it Denver was, Nuggets oh. account. Morons. Uh, you know quickly, what they should have tweeted is a picture of Donovan wearing his Nuggets hat before they traded him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Damian Lillard is my player of the week. Last uh, week I thought he was just phenomenal. Gets his team into the playoffs. Tonight they play the Lakers. I think Damian continues this trend of hot shooting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like tonight. Uh, plus one for me on that one. He scored 51 points, 61 points, and 42 points in the last Good in the gosh. last week. Oh my gosh. Guy, and to, to go along with 12 assists, 8 assists, and 7 assists. Guy yeah. was phenomenal. 27 seconds. Ethan? Alex Smith. Uh, ah, oh, good one. Going, going, with the good feel, one. going with the feel-good story here. I, I thought it was inspiring, to, you know, especially after watching that E60 video earlier this year about how messed up his leg was, how close he really was to dying. I thought it was, it was pretty inspirational to not only see him back on the field, but to see him on the field in pads, throwing the ball. That was awesome. All right, we'll good see pick. more. Hour two of the Full Court Press coming up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The SEC announced its adjusted schedule on Monday. You could argue there's no more appointment viewing than an SEC game because people plan well beyond Saturday. They camp out for a week in places like Tuscaloosa and Baton Rouge. It's cliche to say it's more than a game, but it is. It's a lifestyle. Food, drink, face painting, friends, family, tailgating. Now the conference has given fans a blueprint for what this fall could hold. There's a lot left to determine, like how many fans will be in the stands and if tailgating will be restricted. As unique as the SEC is, it's impossible to completely extract it from the larger events going on. Nothing is certain in 2020. Coronavirus has been very difficult to predict. But the Premier College Football Conference is ready to go. Right or wrong, it's going to take a lot for them to deviate off that plan. Which means, as of right now, we should expect football across the South on Saturdays. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.